This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 97-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Dave Foots Footman, a Hollywood technician that played an integral part in UHF's production. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Everyone was so excited to hear Mike Nelson from Riff Tracks and Mystery Science Theater on last week's episode. They just couldn't believe it. Yeah, we got a lot of great feedback on that episode, a lot of great discussions. Our good friend, Patreon supporter, and episode 17-inch guest, Vicky DeVries, Rhymes with Cheese, let us know that not only has she attended live Riff Track shows, but she was actually at the show where Weird Al made an appearance. That's pretty stinking majestic, Vicky. Now, if you haven't seen that live show, you're in luck because you do not want to miss Al riffing on the singing pork butchers. So <laughs> head on over to rifftracks.com. You can download it. You can pick up the DVD or the Blu-ray. It's called Riff Tracks Live Christmas Shorts Stravaganza. And in the case of Dave and I, it's not an or. It's you pick up the DVD and the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> and the digital download. That's right. <laughs> Yes, you get the ones and zeros tattooed on your leg if you're Dave and I as well. (laughs) How much fun did we have this weekend? On Saturday night, our listener and Patreon supporter Joe Jaffa and his friend Jake Larson helped us throw a fun game night hangout. Now, there were plenty of past and future guests friends, listeners, and even Jake Larson showed up. We played Jackbox and hung out, chatting about Weird Al into all hours of the night. It was truly fun and a lot of funny. It was a great event. (laughs) Now, the big surprise of the night came. We played this game that I had never played on Jackbox before called Madverse City. Had you played that one, Dave? I'd only played Jackbox once before this weekend. Oh. But no, I had never played that. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. So in this game, you essentially are these like transformer robots and you do rap battles against other players. And really, like I said, the big surprise of the night, our friend Don Furlazo, who you may remember, he was our sponsor for quite a while for Furlazo Allstate. He was playing and he completely destroyed everything everyone with his raps and that is like the least suspecting guy you would ever think would be a rap battle champion but don Ferlazzo, he wiped the floor with us <laughs> yeah that was so great it was so much fun getting to see don Ferlazzo's raps and everyone else's raps and just how much fun we had all night with just many of our friends and listeners so a big thank you to everyone who joined us and played we cannot wait to do another game night make sure that you join group.2000inch.com because we don't know when this is going to happen again and these come on a short notice so you definitely want to make sure you're plugged in to group.2000inch.com for when we do another one And speaking of our awesome Facebook group, our listener and Patreon supporter, Richard Berger, let us know in the group about one of his funny, misheard Weird Al lyrics. So in Al's song, Wanna Be Your Lover, Al sings, Are you picking up the subtle innuendo here? Uh Uh-huh. 
Richard thought he said, are you picking up the shuttle in your window here? Uh (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) Well, so his explanation was that he thought it meant Al was stalking this woman like he was a World War II torpedo and was asking her as if she had submarine radar, if she could sense that he was standing right outside her window. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Richard, but that makes even less sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not completely sure what he was going for, but it's it's very funny. It definitely qualifies. So thank you for sharing that with us. That was funny because Richard also shared this fun fact. He said that misheard lyrics are actually a type of linguist art known as Mondegreens. Mondegosners? Cool. Well, thanks, Richard, for sharing that fun fact with us. If anyone else has interesting Weird Al lyric Monda Gosners that they would like to share with us, be sure to post on our Facebook group, group.2000inch.com, or leave a message on our official 347 Spatula Hotline. What is that number for the 347 Spatula Hotline? Why, of course, that number is 347 Spatula. Ah, thank you. Now, as we mentioned last week, the documentary by episode 71-inch guest Vince Clementi, The Palindromus, was released to watch digitally yesterday, Tuesday, March 9th. So for information about the film and how to watch it, head over to thepalindromists.com. Well, it sure is a busy week for Vince Clemente because our listener and Patreon supporter Spencer Parks let us know that Vince will be his special guest on his podcast, The Dictionary. Vince's episode drops on March 15th. Well, congratulations, Spencer, on the get, and congratulations to Vince as you will be joining the ranks of some pretty stinking majestic guests that have been on The Dictionary, like Dave and I. Our episode of The Dictionary aired way back in May 2020, and that was so much fun. I'd love to do it again sometime, so be sure to go back and re-listen to our episode in preparation for Vince's episode, which drops on March 15th. Lots of exciting stuff happening this weekend. First up, MarsCon, the longest-running fandom convention comedy music series, will be held virtually this weekend, Friday, March 12th through Sunday, March 14th. It's absolutely free, and it features performances by past podcast guests Devo Spice and TV's Kyle, along with a Q&A session with none other than John Bermuda Schwartz about his book. For more details, visit MarsConComedy.com. The 63rd Annual Grammy Awards are this weekend! We cannot wait to see our favorite two-time Grammy Award-nominated legendary guitar and slack-key guitar-playing, Hawaii-loving, theme-song-writing, haircut-getting, first podcast episode guesting, 40-year Weird Al band member, the incredible and very young, our very own Jim Kimo West, win the Best New Age Album Grammy for his album, More Guitar Stories. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast, Jim, we wish you the best of luck Sunday. We cannot wait to be able to shorten your title to Grammy Award winning. Plus, don't forget to purchase and listen to Jim's new track, Wahini Omoku, when it drops this Friday, March 12th. Patreon supporter and past guest Chad Kelson, a.k.a. Metal Al, let us know that Weird Al is a guest on the latest episode of Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Chad. 
Last week, we also mentioned that Burrito Burrito's pop-up Wizard Burger has spun off into its own separate restaurant in Albany. And we also said, and I quote, This week's episode is brought to you in part by vegan Mexican restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped in a quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquared.com and at burritosquared on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a burrito burrito burrito, but every burrito 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 can be burrito burritoed. Say, Dave, you think it's time for this week's interview? So we have not hit our quota for having guests named Dave on the podcast yet this year. So we are really thrilled to welcome a fellow Dave who happened to work on our favorite movie of all time, UHF. He's also known as Foots. Please welcome Dave Foots Footman. Welcome, Dave. How are you doing? Hi, guys. Thanks for having me, and I'm doing well. It's so great to have you on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. So I got to ask, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious the foot is probably comes from your last name, but how did you get that nickname, Foots? Um, well, I work in the business, obviously, and uh, sometimes you have crews of upwards of 100 to 200 people. And Dave, John, and... Uh, I'm going to say Kathy seem to be the like most prevalent. <laughs> and when you are a guy named Dave and you're on a crew where there's 40 other guys named Dave <laughs> and my best friend uh, at the time just started calling me foots and it stuck. <laughs> Has anyone ever tried to correct you? Like actually the plural of foot is feet. It's, of course, of course. <laughs> but I tell them there are, there's a foot, there are two feet. But there is one foot. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it, yeah. As a fellow Dave who also occasionally goes by the nickname Elvis, just to avoid that same situation, I get it. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And I, I will reveal this for the first time. My name is also Dave. I just go by Ethan. Uh, I, I went as far as to have my birth certificate changed and everything. <laughs> There you go. It is It is now a certified fact. <laughs> so, Foots, in the UHF credits, you are credited as GRIP. And to folks who are not in the industry, we would love it if you could give us an explanation of what a GRIP does for the film set. Oh, boy. Um, okay, well, there are three basic departments, three leading departments on set. And they are camera um, and then GRIP and electricians those are the three like responsible for how the picture looks okay so the electrician's pretty obvious they supply power to the set they turn on the lights to the set they are the ones that shine the lights in specific directions under or specific ways under the direction of the director of photography um the grips are the folks that actually shape the light hmm. we will um shape the light so that it doesn't look like your old home movies if you for those you know, they turned on the giant light bar and you were blinded. And if you were too far away from the camera, you could not be seen. Okay. Um, our job uh, to, to shape the lights. We were also the safety guys on set um, in that if a light is going to be attached or something's going to be attached to the walls, it's the grips that secure it uh, to that. And it comes from it comes from old English theater. If you really want to get down to it, the grips were the guys that basically gripped the lights onto the stanch uh, onto the lighting uh batteries hmm. um those were called grips and the guys that actually focused the, the guy that focused was called a gaffer and he used what was called a gas stick to light those in fact so those terms from grip gaffer and electric I'll come from that. oh wow 
Now, as far as UHF was concerned, was that your only role or were you doing... An independent film, um, which that was an independent film. And what I mean by independent is it was a um, a non-union independent film. In the unions, they have you have to stay kind of in your lane. Um, okay. So if you're a grip or an electrician, you kind of have to stay in those associated positions by title. In independent film, you pretty much have a title, but you pitch in wherever you're needed. Okay. So, yes, I was a grip, but there were several different things that I did on set. So how did you end up working on the film UHF? That's a funny story. So the producer of this uh, gene, um, and Gray Fredrickson were the producers on this thing, and I had known these guys for a while, and they basically wanted to have me on that crew so that I could work a, that was the first thing. And then B just kind of give them a heads up. I was kind of there, the producers, here's what's going on that you're not reading in a production report kind of a thing. Ah, okay. Um, nothing, nothing nefarious, but they just say, Hey, how's it going? How's team morale? How's, you know, are folks happy? That kind of thing. That was more their concern than, than trying to be anything that was nefarious, but it was a lot of fun. Um, in that respect, we, actually took over an entire hotel and shopping mall. <laughs> that was that was the main reason I was on the set is is uh, just kind of be, you know, a morale guy. Besides doing grip, you had done some other things. Was there anything else memorable that you have done as far as the movie UHF? Um, well, one of my favorite, I actually appear in the pool scene where they, um, where they went into, where Al goes in the bar and there's a bunch of guys playing pool in the background. Okay. Um, that's basically the grip department playing pool because they didn't have extra for a round. <laughs> and we all filled in and made sure our backs were turned to the camera and, you know, did all of that stuff, but played a good game of pool. <laughs> and then in, in Stanley's, in Stanley Spadowski's playhouse, um, the, the rigging of the kid drinking out of the fire hose became one of my, my favorite uh, bits. Uh, because I was responsible for getting the kid out of the way before the fire hose hit him. Oh. <laughs> the thing, it's just, you're a big guy, he's a little kid, we can rig this, how do we get, how do we make it work? And we all kind of brainstormed um, with him drinking so that when you saw it, it was a forced perspective kind of thing, where we had the fire hose and we had the kid and they weren't on the same plane, but the camera was stacked up so they appeared to be on the same plane. Right. If that makes sense, yeah. And they, right. they would. It was basically, if I remember the cue correctly, it was roll camera, water action, kid, <laughs> fire hose coming on, and then kid is me yanking him via a belt rig <laughs> on out of the way so that he got knocked over, but he didn't actually suffer any damage. Right. Every wow. time. He he thought it was fall. He was like, "Yeah, let's do it again." No, we've done it seventeen times. <laughs> Oh, so you were actually responsible for pulling that little kid? Yep. Wow. <laughs> Just out of frame and on cue, gave a yank. <laughs> what did the kid fall into? Like a pile of pillows or something? Uh, no, we actually had two other guys that caught him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Rescue kind of, uh, kind of a capture thing. So I did the yank. They caught him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you get sprayed with any water from the fire hose? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially on the last time I wanted to step in and take your dowson. I mean, how many times do you get to get shot with a fire hose right. in any fight? <laughs> but, you know? Yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun. That was a, We had a lot of fun on that show. That And, and 
that show in particular, because it's Al and he's magnificent. You had Victoria Jackson, who was at her heyday at the SNL back then. Right. Um, you had Michael Richards, who had been cast but hadn't actually gone on to um, Seinfeld yet. Um, right. Just some great folks that were there. So there was always kind of you 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 didn't want to be away from set too far because there was always something that was going to happen either on camera or off camera that was just memorable, you know. Um, and that again is part of the uh, part of the joy of being in that, in that that the business at that time in that place. I understand you also had something to do with the Wheel of Fish. What can you tell us about that? Oh my gosh, I forgot all about Wheel of Fish. <laughs> That, that whole wheel of fish thing was just, I think I was basically one of the guys that was like, we need bigger fish on this. And we balanced it. It was the balancing bit was what was, because it would always stop on the same fish <laughs> before we had. But yeah, it was that was Al. And it was, can we make this happen? Uh, yeah, that was kind of crazy. But I mean, basically it was just the building of the rig with the prop department and then helping keep the fish on the, keep the fish on. Because <laughs> you didn't have the fish sliding off the nail. Right. <laughs> Have you ever built anything like a wheel of fish prior to that or since then? No, I've built some very crazy, strange objects um, as a grip. Um, and now I work uh, as a, I work as a camera and uh, camera engineer for AR and VR. So I've built stages, but um, the actual building of no, that was the one and only wheel of fish in my career. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I actually had forgotten about it until you said that. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, we look at it. <laughs> I remember Getty Watanabe had a lot of fun with that. Oh, I'm sure. He's another absolute character. Too much fun. We spoke to, on episode 64-inch, Lisa R. Stefanik. She played Phyllis Weaver, the woman who wins on Wheel of Fish. And she was telling us that the fish just, with all the lights, were smelling horrible. Do you have any memory of that? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> rotting fish. Like, it, in theory, it was a great idea if we shot that scene in a freezer and LED lights. <laughs> Unfortunately, we shooting in we were shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in an abandoned uh, hotel slash shopping mall. That's where we built a lot of our inside sets, and there was absolutely no AC anywhere. <laughs> oh no! Like, <laughs> wow. Even in your even in your hotel room, the AC was rather suspect. So, add you know hundreds of lumens of lights to that to get enough light in to shoot, and then yeah, put some there. That was not. Mm. <laughs> I think there's a reason I forgot about that. It's one of those memories where you just don't want to go back, right? You know, but yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. That was a whole LA crew for the most part that like transported to Oklahoma for those five or six weeks that we were there. Yeah. Um, oh. and, and that's just, that's kind of not done anymore. Not, not you'll take department heads and hire locally now, but Oh my gosh, that was, yeah. All of us were there. That was crazy. <laughs> oh, and I think that's when we lost Trinidad. I have to look. I think that is when we lost Trinidad. It was in, um, August 88, I believe. Yes. <laughs> I remember it was August. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they flew in, and we flew in, but they wanted they wanted to drive equipment back. So I got volunteered to drive back from Oklahoma with one of the trucks and the producer's dog. Oh no! <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so I, I had a I had a companion for the two or three days it took to get back. Who? Wow. <laughs> yeah, the producer's pup was sitting on the front seat next to me. It was kind of crazy. And do you know the dog's name? We need to know the dog's name. And I remember it was a little black carrier. I don't remember his name. <laughs> All I know is that he minute to get acclimated to being back in LA. He was just like happy in the truck. He didn't want to get out of the truck. <laughs> and what kind of stuff were you transporting back? Were you transporting back the wheel of fish and the fire hose or was it something else? No. The, um, well, funny, it was, it was, there was art department stuff because it wasn't a, a grip truck. It was art department stuff. And I tow, I was towing the producer's car behind that. So it was the car, the dog, and a prop. No, the wheel of fish. The wheel of fish. I wasn't in my truck. Was not in my gig. Did that get kept? I don't think so. But that would have been. I, I think it was probably propped up in Tulsa. It didn't come back to L.A. As far as I know. Were you able to keep any props or souvenirs from the set? I have a. T-shirt with Michael Richards' face on it that says Stanley Spadowski's Playhouse. Oh, cool! <laughs> wow, I have I have one of those. That's very cool. I, and I think and I have a I actually have one of the uh, I have a show poster, um, you know, a a, a a poster from the from the show. But I don't have anything else. I've I've worked on so many of like I'd have to have a warehouse yeah. to keep everything in a kept props <laughs> right. Stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I went to stuff that I knew I could get away with. Yeah. <laughs> that is very cool. Besides the fire hose and the wheel of fish, did you build any other props? Um, I'm sure I did because that was kind of how the crew worked. But I, I couldn't. I mean, I'd have to sit down, rewatch the film and go, oh, yeah, I did that. Or I helped on that. Um, <laughs> but it, in, in those days, pretty much. Anybody could work on anything for a minute or two. You'd have makeup and hair people who are very creative, um, who get limited and looked at as a lens of all you do is makeup and hair. But okay, but I draw and I paint and I do all these other things too. So they would help out. Do you know what I mean? Got it. Yeah. Um, I was I was a grip and a dolly grip, but you know, at one point I wound up 180 feet off the ground in a condor lighting a, a fairground at night. You know, that's more of an electrician's game. But right. It, right. It, you do what you need to do when you're asked. Yep. You know, it's not gotcha. So, I, I can tell you, I did organize the cast versus crew softball game, which was absolutely hysterical. Oh, let's hear about that. Did Al play? Al played. Um, Victoria played. Uh, everybody played. It was just kind of a way to. It was a uh, that game was. It was kind of a memorial thing for Trinidad Silva, um, because he had come home. I don't know if you if you've done your homework on Trinidad. But he was like a real live, re, um, he was a gangbanger that like rediscovered himself or reinvented himself and okay. came out and was an actor, played a gangbanger and did all these things. He was a mar marvelous guy. Um, right. And he um, came home from Tulsa to visit his wife and his kid. And on the way back to the airport was in a traffic accident and passed. And we got that news on. Oh, man. So that that was that softball game was our remembrance of him. So everybody played. Yeah. And it was just mm -hmm. kind of being goofy and having fun. And, and, um, 
it was Al was in full Al form. It was it was awesome. <laughs> um, but that was yeah, that was that was one of the highlights of being part of that team was playing that game. Wow. Do you know who won? I'm pretty sure the crew kicked butt, <laughs> but <laughs> I could be a little biased on that remembrance. Right. Um, <laughs> you know. I'm sure you went four for four with, uh, you know, four home runs and three magnificent catches in the outfield as well, right? I was sure there was a scout there and I was going to get signed, you know. <laughs> I was that was going to go on. Um <laughs> But yeah, I just uh, I just remember it being a really good time and and, a, and about about this guy who who had uh, had been part of the uh, integral part of the show and left. Right. Wow. It was a good thing. It was a good time. Oh my God, Anthony Geary, David Bow. Yeah, all of these guys were awesome. It's so great to hear. Do you remember uh, what kind of softball player Al was? Was he good at softball? Al is. Um, I think he was playing at playing softball as opposed to trying to play softball. If you know what I mean? <laughs> he was in full foul mode. So, you know, holding the bat at the wrong end, <laughs> you know, but a lot of fun. Like I said, just an awful lot of fun. Now, would you say you were there for every scene being filmed? I was not. I was there for most of them. Yeah. Um, about halfway through the film, I moved to, what we call the rigging stage because we had built all of the sets we needed in one location. I got moved to do advanced work so that we could do like the big fair scene at the end that I got to do prep on that ground while they were shooting. I was prepping okay. um, for us to do that. Um, and then I would subsequently, when they moved into a place where I had prepped, I would go and wrap things out. Okay. Okay. So I was there for much of the, I'd say, 70% of the scenes I was there. Um, the other 30% I was fear or rap. So obviously the film is very funny as we watch it back, the finished project. What was it like being on the set of the filming of UHF? Well, the sets are very busy places. So if we're standing around watching, we're not really doing our jobs, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely were bit more bits of levity there where you just want oh my God, what did he say? And you would stop and listen and then giggle and on. Yeah. There was a lot of that. going. And because you have guys so creative, they would never, if, if they didn't get the desired effect, it was almost like they were performing for the director and, and the crew. So there were things that were changed up. You know, you'd get maybe a couple of takes and it didn't land the way I wanted. Let me try this. So that, but that was fun. Oh, cool. And how many takes did it take for the fire hose? Oh, honestly, I'd say it was probably four or five that we did. <laughs> wow. You know, and, and I, I'm going to say the, the uh, four or five. Yeah, I'd say four or five that were there. Now, there's another film that you worked on that I consider one of my all-time favorite films. And that is, of course, Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> what can you tell us about working on Freddy Got Fingered? I don't remember that. Hang on a second. Oh, I was, um, yes. <laughs> I was second unit. So basically running around doing paperwork. And that's not, on, I wasn't on set for that. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, that's a paperwork job. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, well, let me ask you about this. So I saw on your IMDb that you also worked on the Fantastic Four with Michael Chiklis, Jessica Alba. What can you tell us about that one? Again, that was an <laughs> AD job. It says you were motion capture coordinator. Oh, no, that's the other David Footman. <laughs> oh, there geez. are actually two of them. Believe it or not, there is David Foots Footman, which is why the other reason I go by Foots, and there's a guy in Vancouver, Canada named David O.J. Footman. <laughs> and I have received his paycheck. He has received mine. No way. I wow. have received No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it took us, it is taking us years to get both the DGA and SAG and IMDb to get us straightened out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, the wonder on that story is there's there's some credits on my IMDb that I go, no, nope, don't even, I don't acknowledge them. <laughs> I did First Guardians of the Galaxy on the helicopter plate team in Singapore. Wow. Um, other credits that, like, I have credits that aren't there, and then I have credits that are there that aren't mine, if that makes sense. <laughs> gotcha. Unfortunately, that's one that's not mine. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever met the other David Footman? Absolutely. Well, we haven't met in person, but we have conversed on the telephone and via uh, Zoom. <laughs> okay. Because, because you have to get it straight. It's like the the check thing was real. It's like I got this check. I opened it up. It was a ridiculous amount of money. I didn't re I didn't recognize the job, so I called uh, the payroll company and said, "It's this is not me." And I want to get this back to you. And they said, no, no, it's it's perfectly you. And I'm like, okay, can you tell me the social security number? Well, we can't give you the social security number. Okay, let me give you my social security number and tell, see if it matches up. Okay, here's my social security number. No, that doesn't match up. See, it's not me. Can I send this back to you? <laughs> wow. Well, good thing that Dave Footmans are, are sticking together. And, I mean, you guys can easily just cash those checks and... But okay, I would feel so. How would you feel <laughs> if you had a check you were supposed to be getting and it didn't get there, and you call the payroll company and go, "Oh no, we sent it. Oh no, you cashed it." Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it'd be horrible. It'd be like, uh, "What?" That's when you go to the psychologist and like, uh, "I need help." <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so I mean, that's basically what we got. I mean, I had to do my research to find him, and he at the same time was trying to find me and. You know, that's how it worked out. Wow. Wow. Well, <laughs> now I'm wondering if some of these questions I wrote are you or, or that other guy. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's come and find out. Um, <laughs> well, I, I need to know, were you the David Footman who played Typhus in Big Bad Beetleborgs? Why, yes, I am Typhus, Lord of the Underworld. Powerful <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, I was. Wow. I provided. I provided the voice for Typhus. Okay. I was actually the production for Big Bad Beetleborgs, <laughs> and the producers like I need uh, the sound guys was like I need a bad guy voice. I was like I can do a bad guy. What do you need? <laughs> <laughs> and then you ended up doing what, like fifty or sixty episodes as as Typhus. I did every episode as Typhus in season two. I did every episode as Vylor in season one. <laughs> That's <Wow>. so great. <laughs> I've never seen Big Bad Beetleborgs, uh, but it seems very much like Power Rangers and something I would have absolutely loved as a kid. I, I'm telling you, you would have you would have loved it because it was 
Power Rangers on steroids with all kinds of weirdness going on. <laughs> so it was, you had the, the transforming superheroes, okay? But unlike Power Rangers where they were like teenagers, these were three little kids. Okay. Like all were under, or were 10 and under, okay? And what happens is they wander into a haunted house. They meet, um, they meet a genie type person. In fact, the makeup made him look like the genie from uh, Robin Williams' genie in Aladdin, okay. blue and oh, big chin and that kind of thing. It was a wonderful actor named Billy Forrester who did that. And um, we, the kids, find Flabber. Flabber grants them the wish to become more than they are, be heroes, superheroes. And so Flabber and Frankenbeans, a vampire character, and a werewolf character <laughs> all live in the house that the kids use as their base, basically. <laughs> but yeah. in more big bad Beetleborgs, and then they go fight. Wow. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I don't even know where if that's streaming. It should be somewhere. But Saban was a genius I, at that stuff because I, he, he knew how to repackage and re-engineer and, uh, and, and make those things work. I was on that for a couple of years. <laughs> How cool. It aired back in uh, from 1996 through 1998 for about two seasons, but it was on the Fox Kids, uh, and it was up against the Weird Al show, which was over on CBS, as you know. Uh... Also correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have a vague memory of uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs, but I'm pretty sure I was watching the Weird Al show at that time. So <laughs> I don't know that I saw any of these. I, I have a vague memory, like I said. <laughs> well, to be honest, we were watching Al, too, because we were all, that was more, he was more in the demo of the crew, which were all, you know, 20, 20 somethings. Right. As opposed to the kids. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we were watching Weird Al, too. <laughs> and house and all the rest of those fun things were out there at the time. Right. Sure. Before you were hired for UHF, were you familiar with Weird Al and his music and career? Absolutely. Well, Weird Al's from Linwood, and I grew up in a town a couple of miles away. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, definitely knew who Weird Al was. He was he was a mm -hmm. big deal, and which is why working on the phone was so much fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He had a very good reputation and as an entertainer way before, you know. UHF came out. Famously, UHF sort of bombed in the box office, and thankfully now it's yep. become really a, a cult hit. But you know, do you get affected by that when you you work on a film or a project and it just it doesn't get the recognition that you know at least me looking at it think it really should have deserved? I think when you work on a film or you work on anything, we're it, being a grip, being an electrician, being a makeup artist, we are all creatives. Okay, so when you put your heart and soul into something for a month and a half, two months to, you know, some of the features that are going on now, a couple of years, and it doesn't get received well, I'm sure it, it's disappointing, but it's still a point of pride in your, your world. It's like, I love the fact that I worked on UHF and I got to meet all of those wonderful people and I was a part of that team that delivered that film, which at the time... I mean, it's funny you say, you know, now it's a cult hit. I say we were just ahead of our times. Yeah. You know, people just didn't get it and, and they get it now. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay with that. Did it make a lot of money? 
that's not why you make movies. It, and you make movies to tell a story and entertain. And if people choose to take their entertainment value out of it at a different point in time, that's fine. Um, Weird, Weird Al's not, it wouldn't affect the crew anyway. We don't get shares in, in, in what happens at the box office. Right, right. Uh, the producers do. If it's a hit now, they're still making their money because unless they sold the rights to somebody, and I don't think they did, they, they're getting, mm. it, it's all fine now. So yeah, no, it doesn't affect you other than, eh, they don't get it. Yeah. At least not me. Yeah, right. At least not me. Like I don't, I don't personally take it a uh, take a personal affront to people not getting what's out there. Now there are some films that you work on where you kind of go, oh, you know what? I really don't want to be a part of this. So... <laughs> that's that's when you make uh-huh. up a difference in the credits. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> or that's when you say, oh, oh, yeah. oh no, that's the Toronto uh, David Footman. <laughs> you see, and there's a few of us in the bit, and few of us are my friends that I know. But if you work on a film and you think it's going to be an eeker or you're just not happy with the way it looks, you go with a numb de plume. Mine, Tenzing Norgay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so a few of us at you, there's one guy that's Edmund Hillary, one guy that's Tenzing Norgay. If you see Himalayan-related stuff, that's me or one of my boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I also saw on your IMDb page where you climbed Mount Everest, so now it totally makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> well the funny thing we used to laugh about it because like who's Tenzing Norgay oh he's the guy that climbed Mount Everest oh yeah Sir Edmund Hillary no 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 he was the guy standing on top of Everest with the rope hauling Sir Edmund Hillary's butt to the top <laughs> right <laughs> and... oh that's great <laughs> but yeah there's, you, you do you do take your, your your bows and you take your shots too so there you go <laughs> So can you take us back to the set of UHF, the very first time that you met Weird Al? Do you remember when that was and what that experience was like? I don't remember the first time. I do remember that we would always get into kind of a joke-telling thing. Okay. Where he would have some weird little, I'm not going to say weird, it's just little funny joke. It was like a kid's joke, but he would do it Weird Al style. Okay. And so we got this thing where, I would go find jokes and we would play back and forth. And that was our high. That was our greeting. Um, <laughs> you know, so we would just tell a joke. How you doing? Hey, I got this one for you. You know, and you know, how did the chicken get across the road? You know, or how did, no, how did, what, how did the dog get across the road? He was tied to the chicken. Yeah. That guy. That guy. Right. <laughs> those, those kinds of jokes. It's just, just kind of go, okay, you got me. You know, that was, that was, that was great. In fact, I'm trying to think if there was any there. That was one of the sets where we didn't have any divas, if you know what I mean. Right. There were no. Everybody was there to have a good time. Everybody was there to do their bit. Um, the crew was the crew was great. The cast was awesome. The environment was great. Um, it was just it was overall one of the better filming experiences I've had. Really great filming experiences. That was one of the best. It was just that much fun. And I think it was because the way we had, <laughs> the way we were sequestered is we literally had a giant hotel that was failing, <laughs> that was attached to a shopping mall that was failing, <laughs> in the shadow of Oral Roberts University with the giant prayer hand. <laughs> you saw him every single day. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And that's when I learned also, I learned about um, red and white polyester because they had the Oklahoma coaches association met at that hotel that was one of the events while we were there and it seems that every high school 
college Pop Warner football coach in the state of Oklahoma made it to that particular event. And every one of them was wearing red and white polyester. (laughs) Red and white shirt or the reverse. And it was crazy. And I remember standing around, I was for for a few minutes, hung out with this, looking down at this sea of humanity in red and white polyester, trying to figure out what it was all about. It was just something we'd never, I'd never experienced before. And it was just like, are you kidding? Look at that one over there. Oh my God, what's that guy wearing? <laughs> sure. You know, it was just, it was just crazy. But that was one of the the memories. And then um, the discovery of sushi in Oklahoma. Wow. Which oh, wait really? wait, oh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories. Tulsa, Oklahoma has an international airport. Tulsa International Airport. At least that's what it was called back then. Okay. Yeah. There are no direct flights from Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Houston, Phoenix, or Atlanta that go into Tulsa International Airport. There are none. <laughs> as far as we know, there were no there was no customs office facility at Tulsa International Airport. <laughs> but we were trying to figure out what is the qualification for being designated an international airport? <laughs> Because you couldn't get a direct flight in. You right. had to stop somewhere and find <laughs> So if you guys could research that and let me know, I'll listen to the podcast forever because I, I still don't know that one. It's been, it's been 30 years of wondering what that's all about. And also, when you're in Tulsa, they have a very wide range of, of wonderful eateries, including a sushi bar, which we determined was not real. It had to be something that we <laughs> don't eat the sushi in Tulsa. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the phrase we heard is if you can't see the water, don't eat the fish. And there you go. <laughs> I will just throw those two little nuggets at you and you can put that in the research department and figure it out. I'd love to. Figure out. <laughs> we'll have wow. our, uh, we'll have our intern Frank, uh, get right on it. See, now, I was always under the impression that an international airport was any airport that had flights that had crossed international borders. So for Tulsa, there may have been a flight that went to Mexico or something, which is why they would be designated international. Are you saying flying out of Tulsa or flying into Tulsa? Uh, Flying into Tulsa. Yeah, there's no, no, there's no customs at Tulsa. (laughs) You got to have the State Department there to verify passports and all the rest of that good stuff. They aren't there. At least they weren't there. I'm looking it up right now. I don't see any international (laughs) stuff. Okay, thank you. (laughs) It's one of the mysteries of life, why Tulsa International Airport is an international airport. Oh, wait. I think uh, I figured it out. Uh, UPS flies cargo from Ontario, Canada. (laughs) Okay. All righty then. (laughs) Mystery solved. (laughs) <laughs> is it though no. is it <laughs> they just had extra budget on the sign and they're like oh we can afford a couple more letters <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's get a canadian ups flight <laughs> awesome i love it <laughs> <laughs> so foots we obviously know that uhf is a wonderful and incredible movie and anyone listening has probably seen it at least a dozen times 
But are there any other films that you've worked on that maybe haven't had the recognition that they should have that Dave and I and our audience should check out? Well, now you're going to make me open up. There are, there's some in there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me bring up the list. <laughs> and also, if there's any that the other David Footman worked on that we should check out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got some great credits. Let's see. I did a film, if you want to talk about a film that I think didn't get the acclaim that it should have, I did a film with uh, J.D. Shapiro called We Married Margot. If you don't know J.D., J.D. is um, Mel Brooks's protege. Uh, J.D. wrote uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights with with um, with Mel. Oh, okay, yeah. Wow. And he's, a, he's brilliant. Um, and we were, it was William Dozer, J.D. Shapiro, uh, but listen to some of the people that were in this. Um, Nicole Zachman, we had, gosh, Steve Martin. Wow. But it was basically, um, oh, these guys didn't take credits. It's funny. We had cameos by um, Cindy Crawford, Roseanne Subby, Tom Arnold. I'm trying to think of all the other people. And I had, <laughs> I was the production manager, but I have a, a role as roller skating Santa. Wow. On the Venice Boardwalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, That's enough right there <laughs> to make me want to see it. <laughs> I say you should have led off with that one. Here we here we go. Tom Arnold, Kevin Bacon, Dan Cortese, Cindy Crawford, Eric Estrada, Julie Moran, Bob Moran, uh, Payne Stewart, Victoria Tennant. Wow. Okay. These are cameos wow. in this movie that we shot, um, and it was all about if you wanted to be a success in life you had to marry Margot, and then Margot would divorce you and then you would be a success so it was about all of these people that had married Margot. we married Margot. um margo's thing was dump the husband keep the dog so she the, everybody was ah, i loved Margot. she was amazing but she didn't give me back my dog um but just it's funny <laughs> it was a it's a really cute funny film it was shot um in that same time period um, basically, like right around 2000, January 2000. Yeah, it was released in 2000. Okay. So we shot it in the late 90s. But yeah, We Married Margot would be a film that I think this audience might get a kick out of just because it is all high comedy. It's a lot of people that you recognize. Um, and it's like literally cast and crew doing their bit for this wonderful writer who people, they just, the movie just didn't go anywhere. So yeah, that would be, that would be one. We married Margot. Wow. Plus, wow. you dressed as Santa on roller skates. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> you know, I was a singing Santa on roller skates. Oh, right? wow. Oh, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Well, you know, they had the guy, I don't remember the guy's name, but there's a guy that's very famous for rolling up and down the boardwalk playing guitar, and he'd been doing it forever. Um, and I, I'm, he's, if you look up Venice beach, he's there, but yeah. And so it was kind of homage to him. Uh, but I couldn't, I didn't, you know, it was my homage to him doing his bit, but yeah, there's some good stuff. <laughs> oh, cool. We married Margot. I recommend that people take it, give it a look. It's, it's really clever. It's really well done. Um, and it just didn't get any, uh, acclaim. Wow. We will definitely check that out. It sounds really great. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on my IMDb. You see it. Okay. Yeah. It's on there. Yeah, right next to the historical uh, documentary footage of you climbing Mount Everest. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I do want to give some credit to one of our listeners who told us that we should have you on the the show, and and as soon as he told us, we're like, we have oh. to we have to track him down. 
his name's Eddie Schmidt. He was working on a short film, and he said, you were up for production manager, and he saw that you worked on UHF, so he said, hey, did you work on UHF? And you said, I built the Wheel of Fish, and he immediately hired you <laughs> for the role. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, it's too much fun. <laughs> fun thing about fun thing about working on projects like that is you don't know who like I you don't know who it's going to affect and how, you know. Right. But you're just proud to have it. I think that's the one thing I did manage to keep was a lot of crew jackets and stuff um, from my time going, which they don't really do anymore. Um, but the, that's why I have that t-shirt, the Stanley Spadowski t-shirt, because there's only one place you can get it. That's right. How right. cool. That's so cool. <laughs> Back on episodes 12 inch and 13 inch, we interviewed David Bowe, who of course played Bobo in the UHF. And one of the things he mentioned is that Weird Al made this drink called a Yankarita. Did you ever get a chance to try any of Weird Al's Yankaritas? Yes. <laughs> he had the Yankarita. I had, I, I was, um, one of the things I did is I was kind of like a crew bartender. So in my room, um, on Friday nights, we would have bar night. Wow. The Yankarita challenged by my counterpart, which Al named, at least I think Al named it. That's the story that I get told. Okay. Um, yeah, I made something called a footstep, and I'll send you the recipe for the footstep. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Thank Please you. Do. The statement that was made is, um, I like it. It tastes good. You don't taste the alcohol. You don't feel it too bad, but you see it all over your face the next day. That's why we call it a footstep. <laughs> Amazing. And and do you have the, the, wow. the recipe for a Yankarita as well? I do not. I do not, because it was it was more of a competition thing. <laughs> okay. So I wasn't worried about what Al was doing. I was worried about what I was doing to counter Al. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. An informal poll of the cast and crew that tried both the footstep and the Yankarita. Which one won out? Oh, I'm going to say I'm because I'm me and I'm, you know, I'm going to say the footstep because, like I said, I made a drink that you wouldn't know how strong or powerful it was until the next day. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute i'm going to do this right now because i do have oh i don't have an email oh i know i do yeah i can do this so you can actually look at it right now awesome i think it should be landing now it's going slow well if it's on brand it should hit you right about tomorrow morning you'll know you got it <laughs> <laughs> oh here we go boom Oh, wow. So where did you copy and paste this from? That's, uh, I actually have that written so that I can send it to people. Wow. <laughs> this is awesome. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Foots, I am just so thrilled that we got to have you on the podcast. I cannot wait to try the Footstep, and I cannot wait to check out <laughs> We Married Margot. Uh, it's really just been a pleasure getting to talk to you and hear all about your experience working with Al on UHF. Uh, it's definitely my pleasure. Thanks for some very pleasant memories and that walk down UHF lane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I guess I'll also be checking out Big Bad Beetle Borgs <laughs> if I can find it. <laughs> Hey, if you do find it, shoot me a message because I haven't seen those in a long time either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I want everybody, everybody that we're coming out of this, the end of this, this pandemic now, please, please remain 
getting tested. Even if you've got the vaccine, you should still get tested. If you've got the vaccine, congratulations. We are very, very, very close to getting back to some semblance of no mask normal. But we got to just bear down for the next, I think, um, probably the next 60 days. And then we'll be good. So that's my that's my message to everybody. Be safe, be careful, be good to each other. Stay happy. Uh, keep laughing and enjoy your lives. Thank you, Foots. That was so much fun. And thank you so much for sharing that amazing Footstep drink recipe with us. We're going to post it over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash 2000 inch for free. So be sure to head on over there and check that out. And if you try it, you got to let us know. I cannot wait to get all the ingredients together so I can try it. But if you do try it, and Joe Jeff, I hope you're listening, give us a call at 347-SPATULA and leave us your full review. It really is truly great to talk to someone like Foots, who not only was involved in the production of the film, but got to share with us so many aspects of his time in Tulsa outside of the actual filming process. Yeah, those are just things that are impossible to know unless you were there or, you know, unless you know Foots. I mean, for example, it was so interesting to hear details about that softball game between Weird Al and the cast and the crew, and of course, getting more context around the famous Yankarita cocktail. Speaking of Yankarita cocktail, this week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, 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 beautiful, it's also broasted. Darwin, Minnesota. <clears throat> So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week we are able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Brito Brito, Angel Valenzuela and his son David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters Javier, Kenneth, Jared, Zeb, Mark, Blair and Allison. We also give thanks to Mike and everyone else in our Patreon family. Revenue from our incredible supporters on patreon.com slash 2000 inch allows us to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, funny and family friendly weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. We'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. And in addition to that amazing footstep recipe, we have posted a special announcement for our Patreon supporters over on patreon.com slash 2000 inch. So head over there and check it out. Anyone can read it. But of course, the exciting news is just for our Patreon supporters. If you've not been over to patreon.com slash 2000 inch in a while, you definitely want to head over there and check out this announcement. Are you looking for another way to support the podcast? Well, you can head over to shop.2000inch.com and pick up official David Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast t-shirts, mugs, tank tops, face coverings, pillows, and so much more. Find us online at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com where you can find information about our guests and listen to past episodes, like episode 74-inch where we interviewed Chris the Glove Taylor. Another great guy who worked with Weird Al and has a really fun body part related nickname. Please join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram via at 2000inch and at youtube.2000inch.com. Be sure to share our posts and tell your friends to gill and chill.
And we love it when you leave us voicemail on our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347-SPATULA. That number is 347-SPATULA. You might even hear your message on the air. The 347-SPATULA hotline, which you can call at 347-SPATULA, is the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast and sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. You can catch our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Whichever you choose, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you do not miss any episodes when they air every Wednesday. Stay tuned because we will begin airing our series of bonus episodes where we sit down with John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, inch by inch, MC by MC through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Time is running out for you to grab that book if you want to be able to follow along with those episodes. Plus, the book makes a great gift to give someone to celebrate Vince Clemente's debut on the Dictionary Podcast. Thank you once again to our guest Dave Foots Footman, as well as Eddie Schmidt, Vicky DeVries Rhymes with Cheese, Joe Jaffa, Jake Larson, Metal L, Richard Berger, Spencer Parks, Chad Kelson, Mike Minnick, Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thanks to all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made this episode and podcast possible. We are very excited for next week's guest. I have been a fan of his since a long, long time ago. So it is our great pleasure to announce next week's guest is none other than Trevor Strong of The Arrogant Worms. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Episode 97-inch, the podcast about Weird Al, so you don't have to. I am Tysis, Lord of the Underworld, powerful man. Oh, no, that's the other David Footman.